Welcome to IB Talk, the leading podcast for the insurance industry across the United States, brought to you by Insurance Business. Hello, you're listening to the latest episode of IB Talk. I'm Gia Snape, news editor at Insurance Business. With wildfires raging in North America and hurricane season on the horizon, catastrophe risks are high in mind for the construction industry. Extreme weather brings a unique set of challenges that require proactive planning and resilience building measures. I'm pleased to be joined by an expert who can tell us how the construction industry can better prepare for hurricanes, storms, wildfires, and other natural catastrophes. Bill Creedon is WTW's global head of construction. Bill has over 30 years of experience in the insurance industry focusing on construction. Welcome to IB Talk, Bill. Thanks, Gia. It's great to be on the podcast. It's great to have you. So first off, what's been the impact of natural disasters on the construction industry in the past few years? Uh, the impact of natural disasters, there's been, you know, it's been quite a significant impact to not only construction, but to the insurance industry. As you saw the various impacts of the hurricanes over the last few years that have hit, um, not, not just North America, but around the world, uh, catastrophes, whether it be floods or wildfires, um, they've impacted how the world looks at risk and how the world looks at ensuring those risks. That in turn really impacts the construction space when they're doing their evaluation of their projects or when they're putting their own risk transfers together, the availability to transfer it off uh, to another, you know, to another party, so such as buying insurance. Um, some of that, the availability because of what's happened in the space, the availability of some options just simply are not what they were. And that makes it harder for the contractor who already are working on, you know, really low margins. And when you have to spend that much more on risk transfer, that it impacts what the economics of the project could be. And it just makes it that much more difficult. Uh, contractors are being, um, you know, they really are being forced to look at everything about the project as far as weather, uh, weather extremes, where they are, what could it be, what's the, uh, you know, what are people, uh, you know, the analytics saying as far as what the chances are of storm, how does the schedule of the project actually compare to historic storm schedules if you're looking at hurricane or, or how does it, how does it uh, with, you know, wildfire exposure, um, how, is, how does that put them at risk and how many seasons might they be covering with the project? Um, so it's really been, it's been pretty significant and, and Gio, one thing I'd, I'd add into that is what you also have is the, you know, uh, multiplier effect of what's been going on in the world with supply chain, with the cost of materials, inflation, all of those have an impact. If there is a claim, now you have to deal with uh, potentially significant delays uh, in getting material, which then slow the project to where you are, uh, you're going to start eroding the margin again, just on that. Right. To help me, you know, understand, you know, this better, how do insurers assess risk and exposure related to extreme weather events? You know, obviously to the construction space, but how do they look at it? Let's use the example of a very large project in the Southeast United States that's exposed to hurricane risk. So say it's in Florida. 
And if it's a large civil project or a building project, an underwriter is going to look at the total value of that project. Um, what are the what is it going to cost to build? And then they will look at what is at risk during the construction schedule. And and so if you think about a project being easily two years or more, um, you can think an underwriter will think, well, I'm going to go through two hurricane seasons minimum. And uh, then they will look at what's going to be at risk during that period of time of highest risk. So if I think of a, I'm putting a shell of a building up and I've go, I'm going to be exposed during hurricane season one, um, what are my total values there? Because underwriters have to look at that total risk that they're taking on and they will look at that through the project. They're, they're then going to look to the contractor and say, what controls are in place? How effective is that contractor at mitigating the risk for, you know, cat exposures, whether it be storms, whether it be fire, uh, depending upon the location where you are in, in, in the country, um, all of those are going to come into play. And then what are the mitigation steps? What are the plans that they have in place during construction or when people may not be at the job site? You know, examples such as of, of you know, how they handle the cranes that are on the job at the potential uh, of a storm coming in. All of those are going to impact how an underwriter is going to look at it. They're also going to say how much more do they have in that general area, Gia, as so you may have multiple projects in one area. Um, now they're picking up more and more risks. So they may look and say, typically we may offer 25 million of capacity. Now, as the weather as weather has really you know more significantly impacted it and more frequency. So they may say where we've offered 25 million in limits, we're only going to offer 5 million. Uh, and that puts the burden a little bit onto the contractor. And then obviously their risk partners, such as a, a WTW, that will work with them and say where we maybe had one or two markets involved, now we may need to get five, six or more. Uh, to build out a tower of limits. Right. And, you know, the the growing severity and frequency of these um, extreme weather events has really made this process so much more complex. And you, you already talked, um, Bill, about how challenging it is now to to get the available risk transfer options for for these um, for these companies. You know, can you talk a little bit more about that? You know, what are the challenges that construction businesses face in obtaining adequate coverage? And, you know, how do they navigate yeah. this landscape? There are so many steps to the process, Gia, and I'm going to say, one, it starts with contractual, uh, you know, the contract. Um, what's the contract trying to pass to the contractor? Um, and what can they accept? And then what can they accept and then transfer? Um, and so to look at a contract that's asking them to take on all the risk and potentially, you know, at limits that are just not available, um, they need to try and start there. But let's say that now the contract's determined to go out and get the cover. You have, as a contractor is trying to deal with their own risk management, um, you have insurance companies that are trying to deal with their risk management. So they, they're trying to not have so much exposed at any one time to any one storm. And so in, in years past where they may have put out far more capacity, and I mentioned earlier, uh, potentially they would put out a 25 million layer or even more. 
Now they may look at that and say, we can't, we just simply can't. Our own requirements are we have to keep our layer to say 5 million. So that requires everybody to now switch a little bit and say, we're going to have to go get multiple carriers uh, to build a tower for the capacity that they need. And obviously, as I'm talking through that, the biggest focus right there is on the, we'll say the builder's risk cover, the, the cover that's meant to cover the, the project work itself during construction. And that's where you would start to see some of that difficulty in getting that capacity and putting it together. It's forcing the, the, you know all the people involved in the formula. So the broker, the contractor, uh, everyone to look at how do they set themselves apart. So if we know the insurance market is trying to restrict some of that, the capacity that they put out, or they're putting heavy limitations or exclusions on, um, what are we doing that's going to maybe change that uh, the perspective of our risk, meaning for a contractor? And it is getting into the mitigation. It's getting into what they do for a flood control, or we keep all of our equipment uh, in a certain spot protected or elevated uh, in the event that we do have a, a flood situation or uh, you know a hurricane in that in that respect. All of that, Gia, is is you're trying to paint the picture for an insurance market that we are the best place to put that risk, you know, that investment for taking on our risk and that we're making it that much better. It's it's pointing out all the different controls you're doing internally uh, for a project, how you're either protecting the workers, you're protecting the work, uh, you're assuring that you have contingencies on uh, where you can get material or where you can get uh, critical equipment if in fact there is a claim because all that reduces the delay exposure and delay exposure can be severe uh, in today's world on these projects depending upon when the claim were to happen. You have a hurricane at the end of a three-year project uh, and there's significant damage. Um, You could see how that is going to now create a whole different situation and the project is going to be delayed and it it gets magnified by difficulty in getting materials and now your costs have gone up and it, the whole thing starts to become a very difficult uh, situation absolutely so the risk mitigation piece here bill is, is is so important you know what what steps can construction companies take to to mitigate their exposure to to extreme weather risks now, i know you know steps you might take for wildfires or hurricanes may be different, but what are some sort of overarching, you know, best practices for this? Best practices on mitigation or improving the risk. You know, you kind of look at risk and you can do a couple things. You can avoid it and, you know, and that's really just not practical. This is the business that that contractors are in. Um, And so in most situations, that's not an option. And so when you look at it, I'll use wildfire because that's probably a really good example. A lot of it has to do with training, making certain everyone on the job is aware of the exposure. And it's it's looking at situations and say, all right, what is the, you know, what's the what's the weather? What's the humidity? Um, how are we with wind? It's looking at every single aspect of that and then training uh, the entire uh, project team on the fire, like fire prevention, also on what to do in the event of a fire. 
uh, and make certain everybody is very, very clear and use examples there, you would, you know, maybe vegetation uh, management, um, keeping it away, have all the proper tools available uh, in the event of fire or to, you know, make certain if you limit heat sources, it may sound basic, but uh, people still smoke and, you know, if you can't have cigarettes in, in that or you can't, you have to have proper disposal, uh, exhaust from equipment, um, just an idling car. Um, you, you know, all of that can create a situation that can become literally explosive uh, in some of these work areas. And it's just, it's the preparation, it's knowing the risk exists and making certain you're walking through not only for the safety of your, of your workers, for the safety of the project, but you're also, you know, protecting the insurance company that's putting their limits out there at risk as well in that regard. There's some things, you know, I would give the example, there's a lot of tools nowadays that are out there, Gia, that, you know, you could look at, uh, I don't know if you're aware of the wildfire assessment system. It's a website and, uh, you know, I'll give you the material. We can post it uh, after it's, it's, it's WFAS.net. But what this is, it's a tool. It's just out there for anyone to use, but it, it identifies the different levels of fire risk for a project site. And if you are in an extreme area, uh, you know, where it's, the, it's coded red, you may decide on those days, we simply can't work. You know, I would maybe cite this current situation in Hawaii, which is just tragic to see happening. It was a high fire. It was a very high fire uh, day there, dry, you know, very dry humidity, very high winds. Uh, and, you know, no one knows what has, uh, you know, currently no one knows what sparked that. Those are situations you can run into. Colorado had one not too long ago. You wouldn't even have thought it would have been a wildfire area, but it was just all the factors came together. I, contractors can look at these, uh, you know, look at tools like this one and just help develop a program on when they should work, when they shouldn't work, and if they are going to work, what extra conditions need to happen. It could be having professionals there on site. It could be having a fire watch person, you know, limiting all the uh, fire sources, as I mentioned. So all of that uh, does come into play. Terrific. And, you know, more and more technology has played a huge role in helping companies look at and 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 try to to mitigate the risk you know how how is that how how has that sort of panned out in the construction industry you know how's technology played in a role in in building resilience uh technology it's it's used everywhere uh, it is you know your people will say will technology technology is already having an impact in really in a positive sense on this particular area um, you know, you can do satellite tracking of all the job sites. You can overlay, whether it be hurricane modeling or even overlay wildfire uh, modeling. And you can use it in a couple different ways, Gia. One, you can use it to uh, help build your program for control or for uh, in the event it takes place, all the things we need to be doing, what are the chances. It's also used for contractors to help develop submissions to the marketplace. So all these different models can help paint a picture that says, look, you may think, yes, I'm doing this on, you know, in Florida, but actually if you look at the modeling, our job site is not as exposed as you may think. And as you take them through it, 
it takes a risk that the the initially an underwriter is going to think, oh, that's not going to be workable to where now they understand, oh, it is workable and we actually can put capacity out. And all of those tools, uh, you know, WTW has all that uh, and others that you help build the picture. Don't let perception be the picture. You need to really give them what's going on. But the satellite tracking is is one GPS, um, if you think about this in the wildfire, you have seen some horrific wildfires that have happened. And um, immediately people start pointing, well, where did this happen? And think risk control. GPS, um, most of our large contractors have GPS on their entire fleet. So you know you know if our, if our contractors are in a location or not. You know when they were there. So, you know, in during these fire investigations, that can become an incredible tool to help on the risk aspect of it, to be able to say, actually, none of our people were there. None of our trucks were there. And, and it just seems small, but again, it makes a big difference in, in the way that anybody can look at that risk and how they're going to do the investigation on it. Um, it also can look at where high, you know, going back to high water, you can go back you know, and look at where things have come up in the past. Are you more exposed? Should you be elevating equipment, key equipment? Should you be putting materials and storing them differently? All of that technology has really helped uh, in, in that regard. Brilliant. Bill, thank you so much for sharing your insights with us today. Yeah. I really appreciate you coming to IB Talk. Thanks, Gia. It's been great to be here. It's a pleasure. And that's the end of this episode of IB Talk. Thanks for listening. I'm Gia Snape, news editor of Insurance Business. See you next time. Mm-hmm.